Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry and of course this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we are very excited to be talking to you about the 1984, yes, 1984 Australian feature. Australian. Razorback. Razorback. Yes, you have to do the Australian accent. <laughs> Although we have Australian listeners, so we might not want to do, we might offend them. I don't I don't know. Well, it's a celebration. It's not a It is. Anyway, uh trailer. Out here is where it will find you. She was the last one to see it. She's missing. It's an accident. Now, he must face it. Thought you might know what happened to Alone. created it and hell has given it a name now there's a new breed of terror razorback okay so i hadn't seen it had you seen it oh synopsis i had not Synopsis. So synopsis is, so as we said, it's 84 Australian film Razorback. It, um, one of the stars is Gregory Harrison. I don't know if anybody else, anyone would know. And it's dressed, directed by Russell Mulcahy, who I did not realize until later directed um, damn it, Highlander. Directed Highlander. So, um All right, so the synopsis is, this is from IMDb, as a vicious wild boar terrorizes the Australian outback, the husband of one of the victims is joined, that's a spoiler, uh, of one of the victims is joined by a hunter and farmer in a search for the beast. Yes. I kind of wish it didn't have that spoiler in there because that, to me, that was kind of a surprising element in the film. Yeah, yes, yes. So spoiler alert, the... This woman who you think is the main character dies early on. So, as, as usual, we spoil these movies. Um, so, sorry if you've had Razorback on your list since you've been, damn it, I've always been wanting to watch Razorback since you 1984. Had, had you even, well, go ahead and what, what you thought of it, but had, were you aware of this movie at all? I had never even heard of it. I think actually you might have sent me a link to it way back when when we were starting our spreadsheet of like yeah. possible things to do and at the time i, I was think i like, did yeah there were so many other ones that i was more interested in doing and for some reason when you brought it back around this time i was like oh okay right 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 yeah we should take a look at this and you know it's interesting to hear that it was directed by the same guy who did highlander um i was expecting this movie to suck with a capital uck and mm-hmm. um it did not suck. It did not. Um, 
I don't think it was great, but I, you know, I enjoyed watching it. Um, I think there is a little bit of like, it comes right out of the gate. We meet a, I guess she's an animal rights activist and she's sort of, um, she's a journalist and she does these sort of um, expose pieces on places such as uh, there's a, you know, pet food plant in Australia that is where she's going to kind of expose um, and get inside of when she heads down to Australia. And so, you know, and we meet her husband, they live in New York and she says, Oh, I got to go to Australia. I'm going to miss my anniversary. I'm pregnant. Right. And we just presume that she is the Ridley, so to speak of this, um, uh, you know, like alien, this one's called Razorback. So the bad guys are Razorback. Um, <laughs> another spoiler for you. The um, Razorback, the Razorback is the, the, the villain. Yes. Well, you could also look at it as Jaws in Australia with a Razorback. It's a true on land. Um, so it was not, it was actually, it was pretty good. I, I would say there is some stuff that it's a little overripe. Uh, the, um, there, so, so the other characters at play here, there's an old man who is, uh, kind of, um, well, I guess he's a, he's a hunter. There's, we meet some kangaroo hunters in this and we, he's a boar hunter. So he goes out and kills. That's kind of what he does. And he is putting his grandson to bed in the opening hook scene. And this giant, we don't really see it in this opening scene, but this giant thing it's a, it's a, the Razorback is huge, like prehistoric proportions. It's the size of a rhino, you know, rhino, they say. It literally just comes busting through the wall and like runs off with his son and his jaws. And so he goes staggering outside and has this really over the top acting scene where he's like drops to his knees and basically is like, no, why? You know, and it's really and the title comes up Razorback. Yeah, I really yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's really it's 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 really uh, overripe, but squarely within the strike zone for a film like this. So, you know, and then we then we meet her and she's in New York and it didn't sound like she spoke American English. Like it sounded like she had a different accent and she was doing an American accent because she sounded weird. I thought the same thing. I I wondered at times if she was dubbed. I I wasn't sure. I should while you're while you're speaking, I should look and see if she is American. Sure. Well, anyway, uh, that was a little distracting to me. It was interesting to see, you know, there. So there's this depiction of New York where it's like the streets of New York, and there's she's a Australian. The yeah. So, yeah. It, it definitely a, seemed strange. You know, in another, another, it's like an Australian movie. So it's like, now we're going to New York City. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do an Australian mm -hmm. accent. But, 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 so then there's this shot of like streets of New York, urban, you know, boom boxes, taxi cabs. Hey, buddy. You know, and it's, it's this, uh, it's this great early 80s, uh, you know, throwback Thursday of New York for mm -hmm. an intro scene there. I loved that. You know, and they've 
they're in this apartment and he says goodbye to her and the show, she heads down there and she's got a cameraman that she's working with who's Australian and they go to this little podunk town that is just full of the whole sustenance there everybody at the local pub anyway is some kind of hunter they're either they either hunt the kangaroos or they hunt the boars or something so she shows up and she's almost you know instantly unpopular and some sort of recognizer and we meet a couple of the other peripheral characters in the movie two of whom are a pair of brothers that own the pet food company they're kangaroo hunters and they are singularly loathsome one key and benny yeah one one more than uh one more than the other. Oh, I totally skipped the trial. So the old man gets put on trial for killing his son. Nobody believes him, and he testifies that there's the giant boar. And that's kind of a it's a kangaroo corn. <laughs> <laughs> it was. <laughs> anyway, but he does it. I was I was sure that it was just gonna end guilty, but at the end, the guy's like, uh, dismissed. There's no not enough evidence. And you're like, Oh, because the prosecutor was basically eating the other guy's lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so he gets off, but he's bereft. And it his so it was his grandson. His his daughter had left his grandson with him to take care of him, and she doesn't believe that there's this mm-hmm. like, you know, unbelievable thing that happened. So she's not sure. But it ruins that relationship too. So now he was a crusty old man, but he's now even crustier and more bitter. And he's now Ahab. He's got this vendetta against this giant thing that nobody else believes exists. So, okay. So, so, so I know I'm rambling here, but I'll get us to a place where she's out in the outback. I forget. Is she going home where her car breaks down basically? Well, so, so she goes out. So the, for whatever reason, the cameraman stays behind at the pub to tell funny stories to the local farmers and everything. And she goes out to get not like hidden camera footage, but she goes and sticks her camera in the window of the slaughterhouse. That's right. To show the horrible things that, that uh, they're doing. That's right. And they follow her and they run her off the road. They spot her and give chase Mm -hmm. and they, they run her off the road. And then they, so she crashes and they stop and they drag her out of the car. And the younger of the two brothers is about to rape her. Mm-hmm. And then the boar shows up, right? Then the Razorback shows up and sort of scares the two brothers off. They they run off, but it eats the woman. They do a little switcheroo because you think, oh, the Razorback is going to kill them. And she'll be able to get away. That's what I thought was going to well, happen anyway. If if she yeah. had been the main character, that's what it, right. that's what would have been. Yeah. But and then it but, turns out it's Psycho, where you know she is not the main character. They kill her, and of course that then her fiance or husband shows up in Australia looking for answers, and it turns out that he's the principal character. We introduce another pretty young blonde woman that becomes the love interest uh and they sort of team up with the old man ultimately to hunt down this thing and these two brothers are the kind of 
I mean, they're bad news from the minute you see them. And mm-hmm. they really, and the younger one is, this comes up a lot in the early 80s movies, but he's he's a total psychopath. Like he runs over a dog in the road for no reason. And his brother, who is a real piece of work, goes, what'd you do that for? And there's this shot of him. He's like, I don't know. You know, and so we established that this guy clearly loves to just be cruel to animals and people without motivation. Like Mm -hmm. he just, that's what he does. He's just evil. And the other guy isn't really that way, but he's 100% an enabler of his brother. He doesn't try and stop him. So, so, so that's, that's the movie. Now we, we have, he sort of goes and meets these brothers and they kind of strand him out in the outback. And he has to sort of on foot walk his way back to civilization, gets lucky. And he stumbles across this house where this other blonde uh, woman lives and so she takes him in and helps him get cleaned up and gives him some clothes. And that's the, they start a friendship, but it's the beginning of a romantic relationship. That's accurate, right? I mean, we don't really see that flower in the course of the She's movie. She's definitely very interested in him. It's but kind of funny. He because literally just lost his wife. So it, yeah, it's, it's funny in the movie because he doesn't yet know that she has been killed. Uh, he thinks she's fallen down a mine shaft and it's kind of like the girl is like, Hey, I'm sorry that your wife fell down a mine shaft, but would you, that that your wife fell down a mine shaft, you know, a few days ago, but would you like to get together? I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like that, you know? Yeah. things like, it's lonely out here in the outback because all these, all these creeps that live around here there aren't a lot of eligible men <laughs> we've been to the pub that's everyone there's just not a lot to pick from um yeah but, you know it's it's pretty good you know we we see the boars seems to show up sort of randomly um it doesn't there's no she tags she tags these boars for some reason to sort of yeah some kind of a government job where She's checking the migration of them or something. So that comes into play where the old man ends up tagging the boar, trying to kill him. He runs out of bullets and then he picks up the dart gun and tags him. And um, that comes into play later where they sort of think they're going to track it down and it's a red herring. It turns out it's one of the other pigs she tracked. And I think, you know, the way that A leads to B leads to C in terms of plot in this movie actually felt, you know, some of these movies, it really strains, like they walk into a place on the other side of town and there's precisely the person they've been looking for. And it's just Mm -hmm. a coincidence. And there's a series of those things that you're like, well, this is movie logic where you know, things happen exactly the way they need to happen in order to make a certain story work. And I don't know that, I don't know that I felt like that. This didn't feel like that. I I think this, they ran into it a lot. (laughs) Like it was out there and they ran into it an awful lot after how many years of like it being completely MIA, suddenly it's everywhere. But it's not like in Jaws where it seems to be hunting them. It's just they're kind of zeroing in on it and it's incredibly dangerous. And then 
we've got a showdown at the end that of course happens at the pet food factory, which is disgusting, by the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, the pet food factory is this huge industrial thing that is just these two brothers running and they're totally inept and they like seem to live. Yeah. How are they smart enough to run the thing? They seem to live in a cave underneath it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just full of meat hooks and carcasses. And basically they kill the kangaroos and they chop up the kangaroos for dog food. And there's just like conveyor belts that are stained with blood and viscera and paws. I mean, this place is absolutely, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Whoever designed the sets for that designed, there's like, oh no, it'll be really, it's a nightmare place. There's like, burned out bulbs and red lights and you're like this is not safe (laughs) this is not up to code you can't work here (laughs) (laughs) so you know so of course you get the obligatory there's a big conveyor belt that ends in the sort of a pit that's got anti-rotating choppers there's Mm -hmm. that's there for some reason like oh is that how you make dog food (laughs) (laughs) and there's a giant boiler downstairs that they establish it's you know it's always just about to kind of overheat you have to kind of bang it just the right way and then the needle comes back down and doesn't blow up the entire city block you know so yeah so we lay a lot of uh of these kind of sort of b-film cliche traps that that end up getting sprung but i mean i think the boar effects were pretty good and it looks good for the most part the performances were pretty good and you you genuinely loathe those two brothers it's amazing to me that they haven't been shot or murdered by the justice exactly because these guys are just troublemakers from start they to shoot finish. the old guy when he goes to question them you know yeah oh. so yeah. i don't know i mean i've been rattling on what are you talk what do you think so i watched this with my sister and brother-in-law and they had their kind of initial you know i talked to them and i was like hey you want to watch this movie with me and they're like what is it it's about a wild boar that kills people and i was like it's jaws with the wild boar and they're like, okay, this is going to suck, you know? And, uh, you know, they, we kind of took a break like halfway through and they were like, you know, this movie is pretty good. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, you know, I feel that they're like, this isn't, we thought this would suck and it doesn't. Um, I think it's funny that, and I don't know if it was the influence of the Mad Max movies or what, but I kept thinking watching this, did anybody ever make it a, you know, did any Australians ever make a movie where it's just like, oh, these people live in Sydney and it's like a normal place, you know, everything in this, it's like they live on Mars and all of the people are mutants, basically. I mean, this Dickie and Benny, like, you know, like we've been saying, are just these horrible people and they wear these crazy outfits. It's just like, why are they wearing these like, you know, like a fur coat and like a bright yellow, you know, button down shirt right. and, and all of this. To, right. And they even have their their vehicle that they drive to go out and hunt the the kangaroos. It is all armored and looks like something from it, Mad Max. It looks know. like, yeah, Death Race. 2000 got mm-hmm. spikes on the front. I'm like, do you run the kangaroos over? Although when we meet. They do, yeah. 
Vicky, you're yes. like, oh yeah, I bet he does. But you're right; it looks like it's good. They've got sheet metal like welded to it. And I've never been to Australia, you know. But anybody that I've ever spoken to who has gone to Australia loved it and loved the people there. Yeah. But all of these movies that were being made at this time, you you, you just watch it, and you're just like, that's the last place I would ever want to go in my life. You know, <laughs> it just looks like Mars, and like all these people are really weird, you know. But uh, so this. Uh, the director, um, I looked him up on IMDb and he started out as a music video director and he directed a ton of classic. He did a bunch of Duran Duran videos. He did um, uh, some Billy Joel videos, Elton John, like just there's a ton of, I mean, he probably did like 50 music videos. And a lot of this looks like music videos of the time. And even um, he did, uh, I don't know how much you re- do you remember the video for the wild boys, Duran Duran wild boys vaguely. Yes. If you go. So I actually watched that after I watched this movie and a lot of the stuff uh, that you were talking about in the, uh, in the meat packing place or whatever, the, the wild boys video looks a lot like that where it's, yeah. you know, scaffolding and like, weird hooks, you know, and, and ropes and all these kind of things. So it has a lot of that look, but I like the, uh, I really like the way the film was shot. There's a lot of scenes at night where there's just light shining through the fog. You know, it's a really, um, a really, and I don't know how good the print, the print that you saw, did it look really good? I watched it on shutter and it was a really great print. I mean, it looked excellent. I thought it looked pretty good. I watched it on Amazon, I think. Okay. But, um, you know, like you said, the uh, the acting is good enough. The Some of the things, I feel like there's all, almost kind of too many things going on at once or too many side stories. The, you know, the woman that he meets who is like you said, kind of a love interest, but it's not really like they hook up at the end. He does kiss her at the very end of the film, but at least you, it seems on his side, it's like, Hey, my wife just died. I mean, I'm, I'm not ready to, you know, move on to somebody else just yet. But, but I thought that was, I thought that was kind of nice. It was. Yeah. It wasn't this. You would just switch over and you'd have to have that be the love interest. But I think it's actually, not only is it more realistic, but it's, it's more interesting in this case to have her be clearly interested in him. I mean, she gets mm-hmm. it. She understands he just lost his wife. Right. He's also, he's this really handsome guy. He's a really good looking guy. And, uh, but he's clearly what's driving him is finding out what happened to his wife. Exactly. And once he realizes these guys were involved getting justice. Um, and I mean, he goes back in at one point, goes back in to say he cares about, he comes to care about her, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But it almost, other than just, you know, you have a female character that's kind of breaking up all, you know, it's all just men. Um, There's not a lot of purpose to, it seems like he could have just, the, the hunter guy could have helped him just as much as she did. But I mean, she's fine in the role. Um, but that's kind of a nitpicky, you know, a nitpicky thing. But well, um, and if you know, when we meet her, he stumbles out of the uh, out of the ba- the outback basically, and he's sunstruck and 
you know, a step away from death and, and she's taking a shower. So if yeah. he walked in, it was the old man taking a shower. That's, True. You know, Wouldn't have been as, you get sell. the obligatory eighties nude scene, you know, yep. brief, brief nude yep. scene. So, um, and it, you know, this is ultimately, it's kind of like, uh, before when we talked about, um, class of 1984, this is ultimately it's an exploitation yep. film. Um, which they were doing a lot of in, in Australia at the time. Um, there were a lot of, again, I think probably because of the success of the Mad Max movies. But um, yeah, it, uh, the, it's probably not until the very end where we really get a super clear shot of the Razorback himself or itself. But it looks good. I mean, there's... There's not really a time where you're just like, ah, this looks really bad, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's, I mean, there's not, doesn't have tentacles. It's not, it's just a giant, and we never get why, but it's just a giant razorback. There's not yeah. like a nuclear waste spill or it's just the size of a VW. Mm -hmm. And they do things to make it look gnarly, like the teeth and, st and the tusks. But, like with Jaws, there's no, it's just a huge animal. Yeah, it's not there a isn't some monster explanation of how this huge animal came to be or why. And it's f funny, as you said, they have the trial for the old man. And it's like the people are like, oh, this is ridiculous that there would be a giant, you know, this giant boar. And the woman, the, you know, the wife showing up there and she's out filming one day you know, out in the desert and she spots it just for an instant, you know, up on a hillside. So it's like this thing that nobody else has ever seen, you know, and it's not even like you'd think it would be like almost like a myth where it's just like people have spotted it, but maybe other people would be like, ah, that can't be. But the, it, it seems a little bit ridiculous that nobody else, you know, Right. There isn't a story of anyone, anybody else being like, well, my uncle saw it, you know. Right, right. Um, it could be something like, oh, you know, that's just a myth. It's like you see you. I guess the the accusation was. OK, old man, your your wife, who you love, dropped off your grandson, who you love, and you decided to kill the grandson, burn down your house and blame it on Bigfoot. Right. Mm -hmm. And instead, they're like, what's a big, you know, he's like, yeah. it, it almost would have been more solid if it was a local urban legend that nobody could prove it was the thing. And, and, and he's like, that almost would have made it seem like he was crazier, but he yeah, had no exactly. motive to kill his son. You know, this was just, I think that's and why we have no, we have no background on him that it's like, oh, he's the town drunk that everybody hates or something. You know, right. we don't really, other than the, you know, we know he hunts boars. That's all we know about him. Right. And we don't, we don't, it would have been interesting to see his daughter, who was the, the boy's mother, get a little more time. She just basically had one line that was something to the effect of, I don't believe him or something like tearfully. And you're kind of like, that's some rich stuff. We should, we should dramatic stuff kind of mind that a little bit more. Like you really think that your grand, like, why would you think that your father would have killed your son? Why? Mm -hmm. You know, and then lied about it. And what do you, what do you think happened? 
Because by all, you know, everybody seems to take him seriously. He seems like a well-respected and competent guy in the community and right. Yeah. They don't act like he's insane or anything like that. So, but it, you know, that opening scene is just kind of the standard thing that we get in so many horror movies where it's like, well, we have to have a hook with a somebody, you know, we don't really see this, this little boy get killed, but you know, so many horror movies open with somebody getting killed. And then, and then we're on to the, the story until, you know, you see the killer in this case again, later on in the film. Right. Hey, this they shoot it several times and it doesn't seem to, it certainly doesn't bring it down and it doesn't seem to affect it negatively at all. Like it doesn't cripple it or. Yeah. You know, ultimately he beats it by sort of tricking it up onto the conveyor Conveyor belt belt thing, getting out of the way somehow and the thing falls into the choppers. Right. And that trope of I wonder how many times that has happened in a movie in the history of movies for somebody to die on a conveyor belt where they get chopped up, you know, the conveyor we saw belt it in Indiana is, Jones. It's know. like the literal metaphor of like, OK, now we're on a narrative, <laughs> you know, yeah, pathway that, you know, we know where it ends. So I, you know, my kind of thoughts this is a movie of, I don't know how I became aware of it because it was not one. So when I watched it with my sister and my brother-in-law, we were just talking about, this is one where we just said, how did we not know about this? Because right. this is a movie, if this had been, and maybe it was, and it just never caught it. But if this had been on, on HBO when we were kids, this is a movie that I probably would have watched over and over again, you know? And it's, you know, this is almost to me the definition of a hidden gem because it's a solid, it's a solid movie that would have been right in my wheelhouse at that time that I never saw and nobody ever talks about. It has a six six point rating on IMDb, IMDb with sixty four hundred ratings. Um, you know, which is not a lot, but but this is just a movie that that never never comes up you never you know you don't ever see this on any kind of lists or anything yeah um i think i would call it a hidden semi-precious stone (laughs) (laughs) i think six is about right yeah Uh, because it was a lot better than i thought it was gonna be but yeah you know i don't know that i would have watched it again and again like if i came over to your house and you've been like Hey, you want to watch Razorback? I'm like, watch Razorback again. Watch that again. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, it. it, There were, there were movies at the time that I, and I can't think of you know a title right off the top of my head, but that were certainly not as good as this. Yeah. That just played over and over and over again on TV and on the movie channels and everything that you just saw just because they were on. You know. Right. 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 So yeah. So, I mean, would you, would you recommend it? Yeah, I definitely would, you know, for, if you like, uh, you know, this is more or less a creature feature. Again, we, um, you know, you compared it to Alien, it definitely has that. It's, it's definitely, 
I just kept thinking Jaws on land in Australia um, with some Mad Max kind of stuff thrown in, and even though it's not a post-apocalyptic story. Um, but yeah, I think for people who like those kind of creature feature movies and you know, you're looking for one that you've never seen or maybe never even heard of, I, I think this is, it's a pretty good time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So Excellent. if you're listening to this, we've just ruined everything for you. But, uh, you know, if this sounds good to you, you probably enjoy it. I mean, it's. It's very 80s. And I mean, you know, there's a reason it's very 80s I think look. I never heard of it, but. Um, but it is nice to find something that you. I mean, I assumed because I had never even heard of it, that it was just garbage. I, I you thought it was going to be a very low budget it, with a puppet, you know bore or something and it's like a um uh who was the guy who did um i mean i think he's still making movies now but um did like uh carnosaur in the 90s do you remember that that was a jurassic park ripoff vaguely um, yeah. i'm sure people be saying his name but that just did a lot of cheap you know, horror and sci-fi movies, but this is really not that this has, I don't know what the budget would have been, you know, a few million dollars probably. Yeah. Um, Cause again, it looks, the cinematography is good and has good acting and yeah, you know, good effects and everything. So it's not yeah. like a super cheap, low budget, low budget. Movie. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would recommend it. So, so do you want to talk about some other uh, we've seen? We've both seen some new things. Yes. Or newish things. I've seen a lot of things recently. Um, you go ahead and you you start. What have you seen? So I the, the two main new things that I saw, I saw the new James Bond, which has now been out for, I don't know, maybe three weeks or something like that now. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. It's um, I've seen some mixed reviews on it. But um, it, to me, it was kind of everything that I would want in a Bond movie. I'm not, I won't spoil anything, but I think it's a good send off for Daniel Craig. Uh, my only complaint, it's two hours and 45 minutes, something around there. I don't, that's a trend with movies that, you know, Lord of the Rings and Schindler's List being three hours, that's fine. But I don't know if it's, they feel like they need, it's like, oh, more is better to compete with streaming or what, but I don't really feel like a James Bond movie needs to be two hours and 45 minutes. A couple hours is a good length for, for something like that. That would be my only complaint, but very people have talked a little bit about the, um, the villain being kind of weak, but I, I thought the villain was fine. Um, so yeah, I would highly recommend, and I would say, see it in the theater if you can, because it looks great. I mean, the it's shot really, really well. And, and of course, it's a James Bond movie, so tons of great stunts and everything. And you were saying you had gone back and, and watched the, uh, the previous Daniel Craig ones. And, you know, I'm sure there is some, some computer stuff that they're using in those, but man, it, I mean, it, a lot of it is real stunts. Um, yeah. And, you know, there wasn't anything in this one that I thought, wow, that does not look real. If there's CG, they they use it to sort of touch stuff up. Take if, out wires and stuff like that. Yeah, if there's CG, it's designed not to be seen. Yeah. There aren't, you know, 
walking robots that turn into cars. Uh, but the stunts are just amazing, you know? Yeah. So, and then the other one that I saw, I saw the new Halloween, Halloween Kills. I saw that in the theater too. Yeah, okay. And reviews have been very mixed on that. That people, it's actually like people on Twitter really fighting over it. And uh, the previous one that came out in 2018, I didn't like very much. I, I thought it was going to be good. And so I went into it with kind of high expectations and then didn't like it very much. So this one was the opposite. I went into it low expectations. And you know how sometimes you don't have much expectation for something and then you watch it and it's like, oh, that was better than I thought. Mm -hmm. This one is pretty ridiculous. They have a really heavy handed. So a lot of the movie is um, an angry mob in the town trying to hunt down Michael Myers to kill him. And it's a, the, the director. And um, so Danny McBride is one of the writers, which I think is really interesting. He wrote the previous one and this one or co-wrote it with the director, which I think that's interesting having a guy like that, you know, writing. Uh, so there is some humor that it's weird because it feels misplaced, mm -hmm. but anyway, they've said that the, um, the angry mob is, you know, they're making a commentary on social media and it also felt very much like, you know, they're trying to comment on maybe anti-vaxxers and, you know, that kind of thing. And it's really, really heavy handed and, mm. and just kind of ridiculous. So pretty much my feelings on the movie were the parts where it's Michael Myers, you know, going after people and killing is really, really well done. He's scary in the movie and looks really good. And all of that is good. And then the rest of it, I was just like, I don't care about any of the rest of this. So I was entertained by it, but it's a, it's a dumb movie. Basically it's a dumb movie trying to be smart is how I, I felt watching it, you know? So anyway, I imagine cool. anybody who's really interested in that movie has probably seen it. So, but it was, I, I was entertained by it, but it was not a great, not a great movie by any by any means I, it's not really on my list um i don't think I, you would enjoy it i mean there's there's some there are some scenes that you would would like well enough but they've they've it, it's kind of like they they definitely have done the thing of well modern horror movies you have to be really realistic when somebody's getting killed so there's some stuff where it's just you know, those old 80s movies were, they were gross, but they were also fake. They were fake. So you would kind of laugh at it, you know, and this, some of it is like, wow, this looks really real yeah, and painful. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, there's a scene where this is a spoiler, but there's a scene where they, they actually, um, the crowd goes after the wrong guy. There's like a, a mentally ill guy who's escaped from a hospital and they go after him thinking he's Michael Myers and they, act they actually chase him into the hospital and he jumps out the window and like, you know, they show his body after he's hit the ground and it's really super graphic and, you know, so there's some of that, you know, kind of stuff in it. So yeah, I definitely think it's not something that you would be into, but. Um, I definitely want to see the latest uh, James Bond movie. 
I mean, yeah, it's I, I highly recommend it. I can't wait till you see it so we could talk about it because there's a lot there's a lot to it. I With saw two hours and forty five minutes. I finally saw Black Widow in the Marvel Universe, and I, I wasn't particularly excited about that property. But I, I've had to do a lot of commuting on a train recently, and it's just I'm sitting on my duff with nothing to do. And so I started watching stuff and I watched that and it's a lot better than I was sort of afraid it was going to be. I, uh, I, th- I had a lot of fun. I thought David Harbour was great. Uh, you know, Rachel Weitz is in it. And she's great. And of course, Scarlett Johansson. And I, I am forgetting the name of the actress actor who plays her sister, which to me, she almost steals the movie. Mm-hmm. She's got all the best, funniest lines. And I just couldn't wait for another scene where she started riffing. Mm-hmm. Dynamite. Oh, and then the, the bad guy is Ray Winstone playing a Russian. And it's just, I mean, he's a good villain. It's just he's trying to do a Russian accent on top of his already really thick English, yeah. British accent. It just, that pretty spectacularly doesn't work in that regard, but. But I enjoyed it. Um, and then the uh, another thing I saw was The Last Duel with Adam Driver and Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon. Yeah. How was and that? That was really interesting. Uh, it's long and it's slow. It's a historical drama, right? And there's fighting. It's like in the 14th century. So it's the 1300s and something. And it's set in France. And so you see there's medieval battle and it culminates in the, this duel. And so the, the combat stuff is really uh, graphic and, and gripping mm-hmm. and brutal. And then the sort of intrigue stuff, the, the shape of it is kind of like Rashomon. Do you know uh, Kurosawa's movie, Rashomon? I'm familiar with it. I've never actually seen it, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's something that you would study in film school. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really about the same story, told from three different perspectives. So the shape of the movie is like we see what happens, and then we basically see what happens again, and we realize the first time we saw it was through a particular character's POV, not literally through, but you know, you're, you're seeing this person's version of those events because Mm -hmm. then we get to, we hear it from another person who was involved and we, and things are more or less the same, but there are subtle differences that, that change everything in terms of what it all meant. And then that happens a third time. Hmm. So in, in many ways, this movie follows that, structure um okay and i don't want to give too much away it's it's ridley scott so i mean it's very well directed it looks great um it looks historically accurate i did find it distracting that it's matt damon and ben affleck uh affleck (laughs) no ben affleck uh just because they're so (laughs) recognizable as who they are and and it's adam driver and he's a terrific actor too but i did keep seeing the stars mm-hmm. 
rather than the characters they were portraying. Everybody does a good job. It's not that they don't do a good job. Uh, and I'm not saying I don't recommend the movie. I do. It was just really interesting. I went to a movie with a friend and we had limited time. So I was kind of like, I'll see whatever you want. And that's what we ended up seeing. I'm not sure I'd have bought a ticket to it otherwise. Yeah, it it bombed hard, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with the trailer, you know, Ridley Scott is a great director. So, um, it, but I think that in the, the trailer, you know, Matt Damon has that kind of silly beard. And, and a mullet. And a mullet. And I think people were probably like, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in a period, the 14th century piece, you know, um, I don't know. But, and it might've just been the time that it was released that people didn't want to see a historical epic, you know. Yeah. It just feels um, like the timing was weird. And it, it was very long. Yeah. So despite the sort of action sequences where there's there's literal fighting to the death, which are relatively few and far between throughout the movie, most of it is kind of political intrigue or just sort of interpersonal, you know, the machinations of how we got to this place. Um, it's almost three hours also. Yeah. Kind of like, dude doesn't need to be this long so it's it's closer to barry linden in that sense mm -hmm. <laughs> just like it see it looks real and i believe i'm here and it, so and then what happens yeah <laughs> you know? anyway um and then um i started watching the neil blomkamp thing on netflix have you all seen those shorts yeah uh, I, I actually, I started to watch it one night and it was late and I was just like, I don't think I'm going to fall asleep if I try to watch this, but I'm sure they're great. They're all just, they're like sci-fi shorts, right? Yeah. You know what, you know what, it, it, I've only watched two of them so far. And what it looks like to me is that they're pilots. Like these are pilots that he wrote mm. concept things that he wrote that never got picked up. Um, and like the two of them that I've seen so far are problematic in certain ways. Like you're like, I'm not sure if I would want to actually see this movie, but they all kind of leave off in a cliffhanger way that you're like, but I, I would like to know what happens next. Like I'm invested in it now, you know, it's on Netflix. It's there. I mean, it's, he gets to indulge himself in some really gross effects there's some really upsetting mm. stuff that is hard for me to watch, except he does it so well that I kind of can't look away, you know? He's the session nine guy, right? Yeah. District nine. District District nine. Have you seen District I, Nine, Chris? I ha I it's saw I saw it. I saw it in the theater, yeah. And uh, loved it, you know, great. at the yeah. time. I, I, I'm a and big he fan. has he's been tied to um there's been some flirtings with with him doing an alien movie you know in the aliens you know franchise and i don't i think you know they got into concepts and all kinds of stuff and it fell through and which i think he could do a great job with that he could do a good job he'd with be that. perfect it would be um I don't know. After those other Ridley Scott, 
I guess they're prequels. Um, I just don't know how much more mileage that franchise has. Like, it feels a bit like, although I think the Alien movies are a lot better, but it feels a bit like the Terminator franchise where it's like, oh, what more can they do? But Disney has, you know, because Disney owns them now and Disney isn't going to let anything just sit, you know, and not. No. Uh, so Disney has said that they are going to do more Alien movies at some point. Uh, I don't know how you Disneyfy those exactly, but. I love the concept of David and how this whole thing would have gotten started. I love exploring that. And there's things about both of those movies, Prometheus and what was the other one called? Alien Covenant. Covenant. Yeah. There's things about both of those movies that I loved, but I didn't particularly love either of those movies. Love Fastbender. I mean, everybody in it was good. You know what I mean? It's just, I really was I love interested to explore all of that part of the overall, you know, universe of that, of that stuff. I just didn't end up really enjoying either movie so much. Kind of- I loved Prometheus. I liked it a lot. And, but, you know, it was, it made money, but was, not well received in a way because people wanted more of the same. Yeah. And Ridley Scott was like, I'm going to do something totally different. Yeah. And then I felt like with the next one, they kind of succumbed to pressure to kind of please the fans of the original movies because they scrapped a lot of the stuff that they were going, you know, they were going to continue in that direction. And it was like, ah, oh, we got to work the, you know, the, the xenomorphs, you know, back into this more. And I felt like it, that, that one was kind of a mess. I felt. Yeah. Um, I agree. That was, you know, I, I get people not, you know, it, it, it ultimately was not what a lot of people wanted, but I, I definitely, to me, I felt that he did a good thing by, are we just going to have a haunted house on a spaceship thing again? You know, I'm not interested in that. And, you know, some people liked it and some people didn't, but I, I would imagine that Disney is probably going to say like, Hey, people loved the first two. Let's do something more like that. You know? And I don't know how much other than to just be kind of a nostalgia thing. I don't know how much fun that would be. Yeah. Well, the first one is a masterpiece in all the ways that it's a masterpiece. And then James Cameron came along and really did his magic on the property. Yeah. Like that was an action movie. That was kind of brilliant because he's like, well, that's sort of, it's like Jaws. How are you, you make Jaws too? Like it's a shark again. You know what I mean? Like we already, the Xenomorph doesn't do anything. It doesn't have an agenda. It's a virus. It just, propagates that's it's they're not so having one of them be the monster in the dark is you know picking people off that's a great movie and then so what do you where do you go from there and he i think he had brilliant instincts he's like now it's an action movie Mm. now it's a platoon of people who have a sense of what they're going up against and they get it's more of a zombie movie they're overrun by the numbers yeah and and it's and it's not the thing coming out of the dark. It's you know, um, 
bunches of them streaming down the hallway and coming over the hilltops and you know and and it just i thought a brilliant way to make a sequel out of that and then i think mm-hmm. other people tried to do that with the subsequent sequels oh now we're cloning and now it's and you're kind of like mm, okay you know i just you start to lose interest in them i think we've talked about it before a little bit but i've never actually seen the third one that david fincher directed uh-huh. <coughs> which i think it's supposed to be kind of a mess but but that one would be a fun one to cover maybe sometime. Sure. Um, unless he hated all, it. I don't know. They're all anchored by Sigourney Weaver too. And that mm-hmm. property, I really think she carries those movies. And there's a lot of great performances in those movies. They're conceptually great, but but her at the center of it is a little bit like Bruce Willis at the center of the Die Hard thing. It's like, yeah. you take away her as the lead and then things start to get, like they did Predator versus the Alien versus Predator ones are terrible. Yeah, you're just like what, they're who, like unwatchable. Who am I supposed to care about in this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, they're really awful. So, um, and then uh, I feel like I I saw even something else that I'm forgetting. But have you watched uh, the Squid Game or Squid Game or whatever it's I, called? I haven't, but it's I have not. Everybody's talking about it i mean i feel like it's on netflix one of these nights i gotta sit down and wade into it i mean i'd love what i texted you one night and i said we should watch have you ever seen battle royale japanese movie never actually seen it and house is another one that comes up a bunch that's a japanese movie we could so the japanese house yeah that's one that we could try sometime I've tried to watch it and I've never gotten all the way through it. It is a weird, weird. Th- we ought to do that sometime because it I've actually is. I've seen bits of it. It's, it's not only is it really gross and upsetting. It's just narratively, you're like, what is happening? The guy, literally, my understanding, I don't remember a lot of gross stuff in it, but uh, the guy, literally, I think he got his daughter to who was a child to either like write the script or just tell him stories. And he was just like, I'll put that, you know, it's almost kind of like, you know, you did story pirates Yeah, is almost like that. If somebody would be like, Oh, I'm going to do like a horror movie based on, you know, what a child, a story that a child told me because it, it, it makes absolutely no, we, we ought to do that some night, but I think you would just have to, that would be a really fun one. Muscle through it to watch and just sit down together like with some drinks and watch that would, well, you know, that would be the way to, to watch that. I, I might be coming back to town um, okay in a couple of weeks so i will let you know about we that should, maybe we, we should get together to and together. just because i think that's the way that you get through that movie is watch it with, you know not try to watch it by yourself <laughs> it's weird and it's just weird it's it's one of again i didn't I maybe watched half to three fourths of it, and it's one of the strangest things I've ever watched. It's you really, know, really strange. We, as we've been posting these videos, we got comments on one of them that I, I don't know if you saw, but the keywords you used were like first time watching or something. And yeah, it was like they were that's mad actually, at it. That's its own thing. Like mm-hmm. that's a reaction video. It's a which I didn't realize that exactly what the. So a uh, sorry, dude, if you're still watching. Um, but but we might we could actually do that. Like we yeah. do a podcast sitting side by side with the TV behind the computer 
and we could do a podcast while we watch the show and maybe we trim it down because there's going to be parts where nothing interesting is happening with our faces as we watch and talk about it yeah that would definitely be a good one for a reaction but yeah i I think it would be fun to do because this is such a bizarre movie just really bizarre all right that's worth thinking about for sure yeah but for next week we are gonna we're gonna jump back into the bleeding edge of just released and we're going to talk about uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Our favorite guy. Our favorite guy. He certainly is my favorite guy working right now. And you've already um, watched it twice, you said. I have I have already watched it twice. I will watch it again before we talk okay. about it. Uh, you're going to try and see it in the theater. Yeah, that's my plan is to see it in the theater. If not, I'll watch it at home on TV. But And I've got a pretty big screen TV with a decent sound system and... I still recommend it is so visually big that I, if you have the choice, I would recommend that you go take it in in the theater. Mm -hmm. And of course we have talked about David Lynch's Dune in an earlier episode. There's no video on that, but uh, you know, this sounds as if people are rediscovering that because of, I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter about the original one. Sure. And I, I don't want to get too too ahead of ourselves, but of course, David Lynch attempted to do the entire book of mm-hmm. Dune, which is a multi-book series. But Dune itself is the first book in the same way that Star Wars is the first you know, book of a whole thing. Um, he attempted to do the whole movie, the whole book in one movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one is just labeled part one. So as soon as the credits come up, it says Dune part one. And we're not sure yet. We're not certain yet that they'll get green lighted to do a part two. I think they're waiting to see on how this one does. I read today that it is. So it's been out in other markets other than the United States for a while. And I guess it just came out in China and it was it opened really big in China. But it's it's already hit 200 million worldwide so i don't know what they have to bring in for it to be considered a success but you know the hbo max numbers are going to be factored in there as well so it looks kind of good that maybe the second one will get made the the film looks if nothing else i mean you may see it you may not like it you may not understand it it looks great yeah i think it's i can recommend that people go see it if you just love the you know the the purely visual aspect of going to a science fiction movie and seeing the pictures that are literally painted up there in light it's it's worth it on that alone yeah even if you're like i hate doing i'm like this is still worth a watch this this is Mm -hmm. a pretty good job anyway um that's what we're doing for next week i know it's brand new and some of you will want to see it and won't want it spoiled some of you may already be familiar with the source material you've never read the book no, I haven't. No. Um, so there may be some people like you that are familiar with the material, but have never really read the source. There may be others of you like me who are big fans and have read all of the source material. I just recently reread Dune. Um, and we're going to talk about it. So if you want to skip next one because you don't want it to be spoiled, then we totally understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what we're doing for next time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can't. This has been one that has even 
you know, not being a fan of the books or anything like that, that has been kind of circled on my calendar just because I like what he does so much. And we don't get a lot of epic sci-fi, you know, that this seems to be. Yeah. And it's hard for me to, I mean, there's certainly enough material here. If a, if a studio wanted to make this a tentpole thing where like with Lord of the Rings that they're like, oh, well, we can milk this out. They could be two movies per book. We can start with the first three books. That's six movies over, you know, 12 years. I mean, that's plausible. I, I would say that the material is so dense that it would be interesting to me if what he's done in terms of adapting it has made it clear enough that an audience because i think the audience response to the david lynch one was like what is happening <laughs> you know it's so detail oriented and it's so rich in this universe it gets right into the politics of this house versus that house and i think it i think if you if you aren't familiar with the books and you're already into it it might be a lot to try and get your head around I mean, I watched it twice. I watched it the night it came out. I watched it again the second night, picked up stuff that I had missed the first time. So, And, you know, the Lord of the Rings, those are obviously really dense stories as well. Right. But they're, and I've not read those books either, other than I think I read the first one, but, uh, or maybe I read The Hobbit. I don't know. I, I read one of them when I was a kid, but I don't know if it was just such a great job that they did with making the movies, but those were so accessible to audiences. You never felt like, I don't know what's happening, you know, in those. Well, and you don't, of course, Tolkien, if you read all of his stuff, you, you know, there is a lot of lore about the elves and about mm -hmm. the dwarves, but by the time we saw, and Peter Jackson did a great adaptation, a really remarkable adaptation of those books that do go off on like, and now a 12, you know, the elves started singing a song and this is the song they sang. And <laughs> the poem, he mm -hmm. has the poem of what they're singing and it goes on for 12 pages. And you're like, mm -hmm. what, what are we doing? We're now doing, we're just going to sing this in Elvish. <laughs> like, I don't even yeah. know what I'm reading. So he wisely, I think, chose to drop a lot of that and have the elves kind of singing in the background most of the time. But you didn't need an explanation of what an elf is. Yeah. Or what or a, a dragon is. Or, or, or exactly, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Because, because Dungeons and Dragons and all of that other stuff came out of Tolkien. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. but, but that was a long time ago and it's been very, very emulated. And, and, and I'm, that's not the right word, but very propagated in various yeah. ways throughout culture and dune has not right so there's a lot of like sects not sex but sects mm -hmm. and you know brotherhoods and guilds and, and and like the worst star stuff of star wars is all the kind of because it's fundamentally this kind of political you know it's it's these these powerful dynasties kind of maneuvering for control. And in the meantime, you're on the ground with characters that you come to love as they experience this crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. But that is less meaningful if you don't understand the huge architectural, you know, plots that are unfolding. And in Lord of the Rings, the plot that's unfolding is the evil Lord is trying to take over the world and we got to get the ring in the pit to stop him. Oh, okay. 
And once you get yeah. that, then it's like, oh, there's a dwarf. He's a little guy. And he's crusty. And then there's an elf and he's handsome and he's light on his feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a wizard. He's old. He likes to get high. Yeah. It's you just can get you're like, oh, OK. Well, is he a ghost? Yeah, he's a ghost. He's trying to kill him. Oh, cool. Oh, ooh, yeah. we almost got him. You know, you don't there's not a whole lot of thinking you have to do. Exactly. To get into the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. But and we'll see. I'm really yeah. excited to talk about it. I'm really. Excited oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. So, yeah, we're at time. We should uh, call it. And, All right. Uh, anything else to add before we sign off? I don't think so. Great. Thanks for joining us again. And we, oh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. Comments, tweets, suggestions, feedback. And if you're seeing this on YouTube, we have a podcast as well. So we're all in all of the typical podcast places. So if you'd yes. rather just listen to audio, we have that as well. It's true. It's um, true. And so otherwise, uh, let's watch Dune and we will talk to you next week.